following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Coming. Okay, so, um, Chaim to the Patriots. Chaim, Chaim, to the Patriots. Thank you. From, you're from Wheeling? Foxborough is actually closer to Providence than it is to oh, Boston. Yeah. And I'm from Providence. Yeah. And I went through all those lean, 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 lean years when okay. the Patriots were an absolute joke. And now you're reaping the benefits. No, actually it was because I had a study session Sunday night at 7, so I only watched the first half of the game. Oh. <laughs> so you missed the whole game. I missed well, there was two games. Atlanta had a game and the Patriots, Patriots had a game. The problem is the Patriots game was the one that counted. Right. Oh, my God. Okay, so we, there's a, since this was a big week in Houston for many reasons, um, but the Super Bowl took place. I figured I, it's good to discuss uh, the Super Bowl from the halachi perspective um, medic- with, obviously, about medical ethics. Um, but there's, there's other aspects to it, too. There's a few issues, but um, the main issue I'd like to discuss is the question of, um, as we know, there are many, uh, not studies, but it's factual that we see players who end up with concussions and it's sort of somewhat dangerous. And the question becomes, from a halacha perspective, even from an ethics perspective, from a health perspective, is it permitted for one to play um, professional sports or not? I mean, tackle football, where you're placing yourself in danger, not and that's not only limited to the questions. Obviously, not only limited to football, but also to boxing, things like that, where there is a supposedly a danger your life is that a, a, the threshold of danger is that enough of a threshold to say it's prohibited to play etc and are there exceptions if you're making six million dollars or whatever fifty million dollars a year um, etc so that's that's the key question um, that's relevant that's the medical question but so I plagiarized someone a friend of mine who had these sources for the beginning and I was too lazy to separate them out but at the beginning he's really discussing a different question um, the sources he's bringing is a, in general, that's, a, that's more of a question of is it permitted to attend such events? That's less of a medical ethics perspective, that's more of a philosophical perspective. Of, and we're not going to go there um, so much, but there is a concept, just mention it, um, of, of uh, what we call late sanut or moshev leitzim. It's actually the word. You're familiar with this term. That's, again, we're not going to dwell on that, but there is a discussion, um, you know, as Jews, we like to do meaningful things, and going to a stadium with 70,000 other people cheering, you know, in those days, obviously, when the Gemara wrote about it, it was more, what's it called, the Roman stadiums? Coliseum. Coliseum, where you had people being killed by lions, and etc., so that that was something that the Jews generally kept away from from for probably for safety reasons. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they don't get thrown in with the lions. It's sort of like going to a, <laughs> to a football or whatever you call it in, in England where you're probably not a safe place to wear a keeper today either. So there are many you know, which is not much different than what happened in the Coliseum many years ago but the point is watching um, cruelty to humans and you could, some might argue football is the same um, and, or even it is applicable actually to the rodeo coming soon to Houston we're watching cruelty to animals and how is that permitted even not as a 
participant, but just as a an attendee, as a viewer, is even as that permitted. So that's the first part, which we're not going to get into as much, but he, he quotes different sources. The, the Talmud clearly says there is a prohibition to go to stadiums where these events are taking place, um, but in one aspect is, as we're saying, aspect of what's called Moshe Leitz, sitting with scoffers, <coughs> people who have no meaning in their lives and just sitting and uh, eating popcorn and hot wings and watching cheerleaders, is that the place for a nice Jewish boy? So, of course, there was, as a, as a rabbi in town, I did uh, meet at least one group, uh, a group of Hasidim who flew in on a private jet, 16 Hasidim from Brooklyn, came in for the Super Bowl with the Sefer Torah. Um, they, they brought in, because it was Monday, the next morning, Monday morning. They uh, want to come to any minion here? Oh, downtown they were staying. <coughs> Married. Right, of course. So they, you know, so clearly they, 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 and they, of course, was fully catered. They had boxes catered by Genesis, all kosher food. So obviously they didn't. Uh, Where did they stay? In, they actually stayed in the Hilton Americas. I think they told me. Sixteen. I mean, this is the real thing. People, uh, breast lovers. I mean, uh, <laughs> on a private jet. I didn't ask. So, uh, um, I think it was Lady Gaga. Yeah. Yeah. Walked out. They had to walk they, out during the well, they, had, they had a minion from America at the halftime. So perfectly timed, good. Yes. I was concerned. So, um, <laughs> so... They arranged the seats on the east. They can't hear her either. Anyway, so that's, again, that's more of a philosophical question. We're not going to get into that. Um, although, like I said, it is relevant more, probably more to the rodeo than... But, uh, but the concept known, and it's uh, based on a verse in Tillam, where David says, and I think you might quote it on your sheet here, um, actually not, says, B'moshev leitzim lo yasha. It's a verse in Psalms. If you, I don't think you have it here. Ashri Yish, it's actually in the first chapter of Psalms. King David says, Ashri Yish shalom halach batzad rishom, who doesn't go in the ways of the wicked, he doesn't stand in with the sinners. Ubemoshev lates him, and in the in the sitting of the scoffers, lo yashav. He does not sit. Sit. Because um, only um, for the Torah of Hashem is his want. Ubetaroto yego yomam and he will um, toil in Torah day and night. So that's the verse in Psalms based on that again so there's a concept of going to uh, although by the way Moshe Feinstein discussing baseball games says that it might fit this category I remember when I was dating so um, so I wanted to go to games so I asked my Rosh Hashiva you know is it okay to go to a baseball game this one my fanatical religious days um, and he said he said listen you know it's a date it's a waste of time anyway you might as well enjoy it go to something you enjoy you're right if you enjoy the game, go to the game. He didn't seem to have a problem with it. But there is, so again, it's this question of we, as Jews, we try to do things that are meaningful. Right, and right, the assumption right. is... That example of a baseball game, your Rosh Hashiva said that it was... No, he's saying, listen, date, you know, you're sitting and doing nothing anyway, so you might as well do something you can enjoy. It's an Orthodox date. There's not much you can do in an Orthodox date. I understand. So he said, you might as well go to a game and enjoy, if you enjoy so it. So the game is fine. Yes. Baseball game. Yes. Only on a date. Yeah, 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 I'm saying go by yourself. That you should be studying Torah. Why are you wasting time? Should I go with your wife? If you would enjoy that, I don't know. That's, I mean, I'm not getting into it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So on a date to the baseball game. Yes. Anyway, the point. Okay. So we're not. This is a whole different topic. We're not going there. We're going to just focus on the medical ethics part okay. yeah. of the topic. Okay. So we're discussing uh, the Super Bowl from the halachic perspective. I got that. Okay. <laughs> on the medical ethics perspective. So, um, and again, so the, the just number three is an interesting quote because it's relevant to rodeo. Number three. This is a a response from Vadi Yosef. He says. However, this only applies to looking at the creatures. That, oh, sorry. Well, no, it's meaning he's talking about uh, someone else not going to the zoo because the animals are caged, etc. So he said, that's beautiful. You can use that in your service of Hashem. You see the wonders of God going to the zoo. That's a beautiful thing. He says, but going to, heaven forbid, to go to places where they engage in acts of cruelty toward the animals and cause people to become ingrained with a terrible and destructive trait of cruelty, so that one can argue, and I've gotten this argument many times about the rodeo where they're kids sitting on sheep and, you know, gory bulls trying to get people off their back. They just close down the circus for that reason. Right. So he's so saying that's something, as a Jew, you might not want to participate in because, um, you, know, it, you know, you learn, you, we, we believe that when you even see acts of cruelty, even watching TV, has an effect on you, which most modern psychologists, contemporary psychologists would agree to. So even watching acts of cruelty is not a good thing. You watch CSI enough, eventually uh, you, you become desensitized to to a murder and things like that. So that's something that modern psychology agrees to, but that's what he's pointing out here. Um, a destroyer of the soul will do this, and this is not the portion of Jacob. Therefore, it's clear that there is a commandment to publicize that one should not go to these places. Those who, he's not, I don't know what he's referring to exactly, though he didn't have, I'm sure they didn't have rodeo in his time. Um, those who listen will be pleased and they will receive a blessing. Okay. Moving right along. He is the Ravadi Yosef, a Sephardic fame chief rabbi in Israel, died two years ago. Um, maybe he was referring to going to the Knesset. So how could, could be seeing acts of cruelty? Okay. Now, yeah, now we're turning to number four. So the, this, bef- um, so this is very interesting. This is a basic kind of the medical ethics. We always uh, like to quote, this is something which we never really explained well, but now I'll give you the background. We always like to quote this, that um, placing yourself in danger in Jewish medical ethics is prohibited. Okay, we're not talking about healing, we're not talking about going to the doctor. That also could be placing yourself in danger many times, but talking about doing acts, um, whatever it is, skydiving, uh, bungee jumping, driving on the 610, smoking cigarettes. Service. Service. Placing, placing yourself in danger, we always like to say, is is prohibited in halacha. Same thing. And that one doesn't have it? Yes. It's on the back, yeah. But yours looks different. Yeah, mine, the teachers are different. Oh, okay. Um, so, so the, the point is, the source actually for that whole concept is really a very shaky source, as we're going to see. Meaning the, the, the two off-quoted verses for this source, that you shouldn't endanger your life. The first source is, and it's not on your sheet, I don't think, is a verse, it's quoted in that quote, but I'll read it to you here, which is fascinating. So the, the verse quoted is a verse in Deuteronomy, Pashat Vayat Hanan. It says like this, um, I can find it. Only, this is verse 9 in chapter 4 in Deuteronomy. It says, only beware for yourself and greatly beware for your soul, lest you forget the things that your eyes have beheld, unless you remove them from your heart all the days of your life and make them known to your children and your grandchildren's children. Okay? That's the verse quoted for keeping yourself safe. 
if you read it in context, it has nothing to do with anything to do with physical safety. Um, if you look at it in the context, uh, this whole chapter talks starts talking about Id idolatry. Basically, and the word used here for keeping, it says you shall, um, even the, in the Hebrew, the word is beware um, and keep yourself, your soul safe. Okay, it says the word nefesh. It doesn't say anything about your body. Okay, so the very, this is the soul, I mean, excuse the pun, the soul source for, for this concept. Okay, is in this verse, I mean, there's two sources, two very similar verses. They both, the Hebrew words are nishmertem es nafshotzechem. Um, beware of your soul, or nishmertem in this case. Um, okay, guard your soul. Okay, now this term soul is sometimes used interchangeably with your body, maybe. But if you look at the context here, it's talking about purely spiritual, guarding yourself spiritually. It's talking, the whole c context here is idolatry, is, um, is really nothing to do with your physical self. Okay, I'll read you some of the previous verses. I see, I've taught you decrees and ordinances, and Hashem, my God, has commanded me to do so in the midst of the land to which you come to possess it, shall safeguard and perform them. It's talking about the mitzvot. As a matter of fact, on this verse of Ushmertem, um, you shall safeguard your soul, the uh, commentary here says, shall safeguard. Usually this word is translated as observe. When this verse, the word perform already implies observance of the commandments. Hence the word refers to the study of Mishnah, the oral law, so totally out of context here. Um, okay, but so what's the source that applies this to our bodies to safeguard our health? That's your source there in the sheet. So it's like the source number four. A very strange source, as you can see. Source says like this. I read the Hebrew, but it's in the English there too. You can follow along. Tanur Abaran, Maisa bechasid echad. was a Maisa story with a pious person. Shayimit palel bederach. He was praying along the way. So he was traveling. He had to pray. Mencha. He stopped the bus, stopped the donkey, got off, and started praying. Basar echad. Some governor or some head. It doesn't say what he was the head of. Some um, official. Um, was came along the way in the same truck stop, and he asked, he greeted him, the official greeted him, the person was in the middle of prayer, so he didn't return the, the greeting, he didn't respond to the greeting. This is a Gemara in Brach. Mm -hmm. So the, the official waited till he finished praying, after this fellow finished praying, Amrlai said to him, Reka, you empty headed uh, person. He knows this guy wasn't Jewish. He says, in your Bible it says, He quoted these two verses. This verse in Deuteronomy. Right? The, the non-Jews always know the Bible better than the Jews. It's always like that. see that even 2,000 years ago. Um, you shall heed your soul. When I gave, when I greeted you, why didn't you uh, greet me back? I was meaning, you, you know, I could have killed you, basically saying, you know, I'm, I'm uh, whatever position he was. Right? So he's saying, you know, you weren't you scared for your life? And your Torah says you got to be careful. you got to um, make sure you stay alive and watch your soul. Okay, this is the whole source for applying this verse um, to, to uh, safeguarding your health. Okay, it's a very shaky verse. Uh, the Marsha is a no, it's a quote in the Gemara. It's a story in the Gemara. Okay, so the 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 Masha, I don't know, it's an acronym for something. Rabbi Shmuel, I forgot his name. 
commentary on the Talmud and the Minchat Chinuch, another commentary on Rambam, both ask the question, say, what's, like, like, what's going on here? Why? Just because this non-Jew translated the verse, he, he had the wrong translation. So now we go, as a matter of fact, the Rambam goes and codifies this law and, and codifies, brings this verse as a codification. The Rambam says, let me find it. Um, See the Rambam here, but the Rambam brings this this verse as a reason to safeguard your health. And on that, the Minchat Chinuch says, "What's the Rambam told like We're just because this this as a matter of fact, the Marsha, the other commentary says this guy got the wrong translation. I mean, that's not what the verse means. It's taken out of context. So knows we don't we're not going to pass him like some Roman governor. Because in his translation of the Bible, we're, that's not what it means. It's talking about spiritual health. Okay, so th- but this is our source. The Rambam codifies this, and since Ramam brings this, he doesn't bring the story, but he codifies this verse as a source for safeguarding your health. That's the, that seems to be accepted, which is really strange. And there's no other source, by the way, for safeguarding your health anywhere in the Torah. There's a source for healing. If you're sick, you need to be healed, things like that. But to not to put yourself in a dangerous situation really doesn't say that um, anywhere else in the Torah besides this source. So it's a pretty shaky source, um, interestingly enough. Um, so the, the yeah, wants but to just say in general, if your life is of supreme value, anything that would endanger your life would be contraindicated. In other words, you need to guard your health. Because yeah, but we only know your life, the concept of your life being supreme value, which you spoke about many times, is only is from the fact that Torah says you should violate the mitzvot to, in order to save your life. Not in order, meaning, but that's different. Meaning, they were saying, we see life is so important it even overrides the Torah. But that, does that, that's not telling me I can't go bungee jumping or I can't smoke cigarettes. No, I'm not violent. There's no contradiction. There's no overriding factor. There's nothing. No, the, the verse of Achaiba, I would say, or other verses which we bring to show that you violate mitzvot. So we see that life is so is of such value in Judaism that overrides even Shabbat, even Yom Kippur. But it doesn't tell you I can't, I can't smoke cigarettes. It's not telling me I can't. It's telling me, yes, life is an important thing. But that doesn't mean, I, it's not telling me it's prohibited for me. It's not giving me a prohibition of, uh, of smoking cigarettes. Understand the difference? Yeah. I mean, you could deduce from that, you want to say, right, yes, life uh, is a supreme value in Judaism, that's beautiful. But it, that, so what, I still want to, you know, go skydiving. It would know, be a logical inconsistency. No, because, because again, not everyone who goes skydiving dies. Not everyone who smokes cigarettes dies. So I'm not doing anything that's necessarily going to kill me. It could be. There's a, you know, whatever it is, 20% chance. I don't know. It's probably much less. Even people go skydiving, maybe 1% of them, not even. So I'm saying whatever you take. I don't know a cigarette. I don't know the numbers. Um, even, that's to me the question, even professional sports. So let's say how many players actually get concussions, how many boxers die. I mean, it's only a small percentage. So if the Torah doesn't explicitly tell me I can't, I'm prohibited from doing something which places me in a 1% danger, and and I have nothing, I have no source telling me that's prohibited. It would just be kind of a logical inconsistency. Your life is of supreme value. It reminds me to think about a guy, uh, if two people come up to you and say you're drunk, at least you should sit down and consider the proposition. The same sort of thing is if two people come up to you and say, like two governors and say what you're doing is dangerous, at least you consider the proposition because your life could be in danger. Now you might say, look, I'm a professional, this, I'm a professional. 
It just it wouldn't okay, be. Okay, so you, 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 I understand philosophically. Yes, the concept exists. That life is of supreme value. But again, we're very strictly for the words. Okay. There's nothing in the Torah that tells me that it's prohibited. We usually assume it's permitted. It would have been a better case if the Tsar had actually killed the guy. Then you could <laughs> yeah, I will actually. So that's the Marsha answer. Marsha says, listen, obviously in this case Should've he wasn't scared. If, of course, the guy would have killed him. He, know, he knew for sure the guy would have killed him. He, wouldn't, he would have greeted him back. Yeah. But he wasn't. He said, you know, he probably understood that this guy is not going to kill him. Clearly he waited until he finished money. He obviously was a nice guy. Yeah. He didn't even disturb his, his, his small answer. Clearly this guy was a nice guy. As he said, he probably understood. That was, that's Marsha's answer. Um, why he didn't actually stop. And uh, the Minchat Chinuch says, he wants to say, just answer, because we take this as an accepted source, he says, clearly there was some uh, Masorah in the oral law explaining that this verse is referring to, to health. He says, you have to say that, otherwise it doesn't make sense, the Rambam would just accept this meaning of this Roman, you know, governor. So, but it's, it's interesting that this is the sole source, and it's a very shaky source, um, which, is, which is fascinating. I never told you all these years because my I... My money's get away with that. You get my money's, you can get away with that. a lot. <laughs> okay, so... Um, um, so that's, that's this bright, though, with this Roman officer. Um, so if you ever traveling and Trump stops you somewhere in the middle of Shmanasri, you probably should answer, especially with Trump. <laughs> yeah, I would answer. <laughs> If you ask me. Okay, so now, so that's basically, um, um, it's interesting, it does bring the mental There is another source, which is, the Gemara does use this verse to say one can't curse, um, I think, cursing yourself, something like that, which also seems to be applying it to bodily. So there is some minor source in a different Gemara, which seems to be... Yeah, you once told a story about man gets in a rowboat, with a hole in it, and he says, "I'll just draw it." And guy says, "You know, right, so what are you doing?" Right, he says, "Well, so right. well God will provide." Point. And you say, "You can't rely on miracles." Right. Got so a that hole. is another thing. Yeah, you can't rely on miracles. Meaning, if there's a hole in the boat, it's going to sink. Then you don't rely on miracles. But I'm saying, again, I don't know. Let's say, take an example: bungee jumping or driving on the six ten. Is it a miracle every time? Yeah, driving on the six ten. Probably yes, it is. <laughs> every time you make it home, it, it is a miracle. So, but we'll get. We'll discuss that part. But the point is. Meaning that's specific that we have a philosophical concept from that's for is in the Torah from Jacob. He it says he didn't when he was fighting Esau, he didn't want to rely on the miracle. Um, you know, he was nervous. The Torah right. says he's nervous. Questions: Why was he nervous? God told him he's going to protect him. He still was nervous because it says he, we, as Jews, we don't rely on miracles. We believe in the concept, but you're not supposed to expect a miracle ever. It's for rain in the rainy season, not in the dry season. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so. So now, th so that's that's this is the source again, a very shaky source, codifying the Rambam. What are the so self endangerment based on this is prohibited. What are the what are the exceptions? And, and that's the question here. So for a patient, therefore, they don't have to take care of themselves. Um, what, what you say, preventative? You're saying that you're smoking. No, I'm saying what do you mean? There's, no, they do. We're saying this is an accepted source today. Again, it's it's codified in the Rambam, and this is accepted. I'm just showing you that the origins of the source are on shaky ground because the context is clearly not referring to bodily health; it's referring to spiritual health. So you have no, there's no more discussion. Like, because the obvious thing is, go ahead, you want to smoke, use heroin, whatever you want to do. I enjoy it; it makes me feel good. I am in danger in my life, but so what? You know, 
if if you didn't have that um, inhibition of endangering your life or not uh, from guarding your health, it'd be logically inconsistent with everything else that comes out of Jewish medical ethics. I never stopped this before. Logical inconsistency is, is not a problem in Judaism necessarily. I mean, listen, no, no, is, I, I, there's a, is there, there's a source again for a fuhr. But if you're sick, you need to heal yourself. No, but and the question, that's a different yeah, issue, different. which is preventative medicine. Do we call that refuel yeah. that? So that, that is, that could be another angle, which I, which I know. Right. You know, Imani was not a sloppy thinker, so I mean, uh, yeah. so that... So he assumed that, listen, I actually asked this question this time when he was here, because um, was, I was giving a class on my show on the preparing for the Super Bowl spiritually and physically. I wasn't sure I was going to talk about it, and I thought I could apply this. So the, this was the Shabbos before the Zumbal. Um So actually, a week, and a week before the Zumbal. But the point is, so he, I asked him the question, so he said, listen, the fact that, I mean, he said, why is my man is codified if this is the whole story? So his answer was, he said, listen, the fact that if the Talmud brings a story and doesn't make any disclaimers about the story, the assumption is that, that's, that we agree with the Roman general here, or whatever he was. No, it's the fact that the Talmud didn't bring someone who says well, right. he got it wrong. So the assumption is, he said, that's how he would understand why my mind is codified. Meaning, if the Talmud, you know, as many times the Talmud brings a story and says this guy's an idiot, he, get, he said the wrong shot. So, so here we're bringing the story and there's no, there's nothing, there's no other opinions about it. So the assumption is, he says that means it's the right interpretation. Yeah, so one way to deal with my problem is that, that the Talmud in this situation is sort of straightening out a logical inconsistency. I mean, if you, Could be. Yeah. I mean. I think if you earned your living by smoking, then it's okay. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Because that's how you're learning your living, but otherwise... There are people who want to take dangerous uh, professions, for example. That's right. So that's what we're we're getting to, like uh, infectious disease physicians. Um, (laughs) So... Not (laughs) So, um... So the the question, so what are the exceptions to this prohibition against self-endangerment? Okay? So there is a concept which we discussed in the past on that. I'm not going to read number five because people uh, will not be happy about it. But uh, basically, it's, it's introducing the concept, and it's not the only source. I'm not sure why he chose this source. Of what there's a concept called Shomer Pesayim Hashem. Listen, as we know today, there's a study about everything is dangerous. I mean, there's nothing you can do in your life today that is really. There's no study that says there's a you know barbecue will kill you, and everything vegan being vegan can kill you, emotionally, psychologically, and physically. Right. So there's 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 a lot of um, the, almost everything has some level of danger I, today, for sure. I mean, there's a study about everything. So, so uh, the question is, how do we, how do you go? If assuming again, we're going with the basis that it's prohibited to, to self endangerment in Jewish law is prohibited. So then, you basically, there's nothing you can do because everything has some study saying it's dangerous. So I can never eat barbecue. I can never eat red meat. I can never eat too much broccoli. I mean, it's endless. Okay, every every medicine you take has a side effect. You know, three pages of of dangers that can happen to you. Okay, so so how are you allowed to do it? So the so the Talmud discusses a concept called Shomer Ptaim Hashem, which again is based on a verse in Psalms, which literally means God literal translation is God guards the foolheartedly. Foolhearted, not foolhardly, foolhearted. Okay, try saying that three times quickly. God guards the foolhearted. Okay, that's the verse in King in Psalms from King David. And based on that verse, the Talmud says there's a concept. Of course, everything has a certain level of danger. Well, you have to, part of life is you go and live in life. So driving on the 610 is things that are normally done by the public, and the public doesn't consider them a danger, 
even though they are they are potentially dangerous, that's accepted to do halachically. Okay, um, that, that's what the concept. Wasn't did. that Ralph Feinstein's original argument for not rejecting smoking that everyone does yes. it? Yes, in those days, right? Exactly. That's a good point. Originally, and we've had this argument many times. Originally, when before the Surgeon General's report, when uh, Fred Rosner um, asked for Moshe Feinstein. He has around uh, at least four or five times he used to nag Moshe Feinstein trying to get him to prohibit cigarette smoking. Um, and each time Moshe told him, listen, it's in those days, in the 50s for sure, everyone smoked and it was part of normal. He even said, you know, there's all these Life magazine ads that it's healthy for you, it's good for you, doctors recommended it for your digestion, whatever it is. So, so he said, listen, this is part of life. And, and therefore you have the concept of Shem Pateim Hashem. Um, and he still, even after the Surgeon General's report, he still didn't still prohibit smoked. it. No, he didn't smoke himself. But I'm saying, but there are many rabbis that did. He but did. he said it's not a good. He said it's not. You shouldn't start. But uh, <laughs> but uh, and then today. But it's what's interesting is today, cynic. you will not find any rabbi who would permit smoking, regular smoking, e-cigarettes. Now, is a debate, different new debate. But uh, I think it's debate but in the medical world. You still find rabbis who smoke. Huh? You'll still find rabbis. Find rabbis who commit adultery too. It doesn't mean it's permitted. You certainly find oncologists who smoke. Huh? You certainly find oncologists who smoke. That's yeah. because it's a stressful <laughs> Some of them have been dying off though. Yes. <laughs> the most notorious ones. We all know who they are. Were. Um, so, um, so the point is, so the concept, when when something, what's called, uh, Talmud calls it dash by rabbin, that means it's shredded on by the masses, so the assumption is, listen, we have, we live our lives. Obviously, there are things we do in life that are dangerous. Um, and like you're saying, almost everything you could find percentage of danger. Um, and by the way, because normally what's interesting is in Pikuach Nefesh, when it comes to saving a life, we don't we use numbers. Even if there's a 1% chance that someone's life is in danger, you violate Shabbat. We violate Yom Kippur. You don't look at, usually, Judaism and Halacha, we go with the majority, majority rule. When it comes to, to life, uh, Michelle was pointing out before, life is of such value that we don't look at the numbers. Even if there's a 1% chance of danger, you're supposed to go to the hospital on Shabbat, drive on Yom Kippur, eat on Yom Kippur, whatever it is, do anything to violate the law, the halacha, in order to save a life. So usually we don't look at numbers, but what we're saying is, when it comes to these numbers, where they're not, obviously if it's, if it's a clear and present danger, it's a majority of people who are doing this are dying, then of course it would be prohibited. But we're saying in all other situations, where, let's say, like we're saying, driving on a 610, people have to live their lives, they have to get to work, they have to do go shopping to, to Sam's or wherever they're going, so you got to drive on the 610, okay? Um, actually, my daughter, when she, the first two years she's she driving, she avoided all highways. But, but most people can't do that. You, know, you can put on your, every time you used to get in the car, the GPS taking me some weird route, because it's on avoid highways. <laughs> so it was taking me three hours <laughs> to get to where I was going, until I finally made it. You avoid highways, but the point is that uh, that uh, so you, it's this is what this fits in the concept. This is exception number one. If it's something that's the norm, and society does it as a whole, then it's it, you can do it even though there's a there might be a, a percentage of danger involved because that is the concept. God protects the foolhardy, and uh, if you want to go bungee jumping, you know you, you, yeah, you can do a, it. This is not a trivial um, concept. There's a small experiment done, like you take a huge bowl full of pennies or marbles or something, and you bring in expert guessers, people who have wisdom in this area, bring in ten of them, have them guess how many marbles or pennies in there, and then you bring in a thousand people, 
just have them all guess. The thousand people are going to be much closer to the actual number than uh, mm -hmm. ten experts. The idea being that the wisdom of the marketplace, the wisdom of the masses in this place, if they're all smoking, it must be okay. We're well, not saying it's okay. We're well, not saying it must be okay. We're saying God, it's it's full on. Permitted. It's full on, but we're going to allow it because this is life. Like you know, uh, in marriage is also dangerous, but we all we got married. It's, uh, right, there are things you do because you got to do. It's part of life. Right. So, I mean, the same sort of thing, I mean, capitalism is the same sort of thing as the marketplace. You know, let people just sort it out among themselves and eventually get the right answer, just the way life really works. Yes. So like what was that, Pukhazi? Or go out and see what people are doing. Yeah, I'm saying that, exactly. People, this is being done, so the assumption is it's not going to kill you. Okay, which, again, medically, obviously, it doesn't make any sense. If we know, today we know cigarette smoking did kill people, right, then too. So did less people die in the 50s from cigarettes than today? Well, it flies in the face what we now call evidence-based medicine, but whatever that is. As long as there's no evidence, then you can do it. If there's evidence and, and it's clear it's going to kill you, that's more of a problem. Okay, so now the, the, as far as getting to the application for sport... I thought you were going to clearly make the leap to doctors treating HIV, but that's not the... No, no we're gonna, okay. we'll, we'll go there. Okay. Um, that's the same thing as professional sports. That's um, a sport of sort, right? So the Gemara says like this, the Gemara that, uh, so by the way, first of all, it's not so simple. Uh, there are those, it's just it's not on your PJ, but um, Ravad Yosef, for example, says the only time you can apply Shomim Pesayim Hashem, this concept of God guards the foolhardy, is if you're doing a mitzvah. He wants to limit it. Only if you're doing an act of mitzvah. So even though there's danger involved, let's say you're, you know, so smoking to, ain't that. To raise stuck in a bad neighbor, Foundry in the Southwest. So uh, dangerous, but you can do it because show uh, Sam Hashem. But but not there has to be some some goal in your in your the action you're doing. Okay. So so but the, the point is like this. So the Gemara is a fascinating Gemara, which states that a it says a discusses this question, may it says how is a laborer allowed to risk their life? As a worker, climb the tree, you, you work for the electric company, whatever. Or, or like we're saying, an infectious disease physician, which, um, or in those days, any doctor, right? So, so how are they allowed to do that? So he says, the Gemara quotes actually a verse. I can find the verse. Um, As, um, it says like this, Elu who knows his nafshe, these are those who take their life in their hands, how is he allowed to go up this ramp, this worker, or hang from a tree, the people who shake off the palms from the palm trees, the dates from the palm trees, whatever it was, he's giving himself over into death, into danger. So the Gemara answers, it says, quotes a verse, and I'm not sure where the verse is, I don't remember, and it says that the worker takes his life into his hands. You see from the Torah that there's a special dispensation for danger for to make a living. Mo in many cases, making a living um, is dangerous. Okay, and therefore there's a special dispensation. As we know, life is important, but money is also important in Judaism. And therefore, to make a living, um, the good Talmud says there's a dispensation. This is number six. Um, this is a fascinating truth, very relevant. This would be the no bread, no Torah concept. Um, 
I don't know if it's related to that, but yeah, I, yeah, I assume. Meaning, you, you got to make a living. Everyone right. got to make a living. Not everyone can can be a rabbi and just you know, do nothing. Sit and chill, right? <laughs> so yeah, some people got to work for a living. So so uh, so the point is, so number six is a fascinating response I'm written in the 1700s by the Node Biuda. I think we've quoted it here in the past. He was the chief rabbi of Prague in the late 1600s, early 1700s, I believe. Um, and he, let me see if it says when he lived, he um, was asked about hunting, very relevant to Texas. He's asked as if, from a Jewish guy, can he go hunting? I don't know if it was a corporate event or a work-related trip. I've gotten this question here in Texas numerous times. Let me see when he died. Okay. Um, yes, he died 1713 to 1793, so actually, so uh, mid to late 1700s. Um, so he, this is his answer, he's discussing going hunting, which those, those days it was dangerous, maybe Dick Cheney was coming along. How can a Jewish individual, he says, um, he, um, how can a Jewish individual enter into a place full of wild animals? This is definitely the context of hunting. I mean, we're yes. entering a place yeah. to shoot yes. some animals. Over exactly. There. Where the assumption is that I don't think the concern was being shot by another hunter. Was, the concern was wild animals attacking Um So even though the Torah allows a poor individual to do this for their, his livelihood, as we discussed, and he sources that Gemara, similar to those who travel the high seas to sell their wares. All right, so that's a dangerous profession, but people didn't come back. What they do for their um, what they do is for their livelihood, and they have no other option. And the Torah states, and for these wages, he puts his life in danger. To which our rabbis comment, "Why did he walk up the ramp? That's the Gemara we just quoted. Hang from a tree and put his life on the line. Was it not for his wages?" But regarding someone who enters into a place of wild animals and places himself in danger, and his main intention is not for livelihood, but rather because of desires of the heart, he just wants to have a good time. He violates the dictum, "You shall be very careful of yourselves." Quoting this verse from Deuteronomy which you shall safeguard your health. Okay, so he prohibits hunting um, because it's dangerous. Okay, not, uh, by the way, he, he, as far as cruelty to animals, he says not a problem. He is also famous response because if you're killing the animal, there's no, there's, we have a prohibition in Judaism of, of acting cruel to animals, but that's not if you're going to kill the animal. No, meaning, if you kill the animal, that's not cruel. Torturing, make, causing the animal to suffer is cruel. Let's say putting out a trap, you know, where it's going to get its foot caught and suffer for days, that would be a problem in Judaism. But shooting it, where it's going to die, so that's not cruel, and you're killing it. Assumption is it's very That's how Genghis Khan operated, by the way. He didn't torture me. He didn't torture me. He said it's cruel to torture our enemies, just kill them. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I kind of realized it's got it from the Torah. Who knew? Yeah, who knew? Okay, so. Huh? Um, Duck hunting. It's not dangerous. No, well, it depends where you're hunting. Again. Alligator come by you. Yeah, I'm saying the very yeah. Obviously, we're not. He's he's only prohibiting hunting again. He says for a livelihood, you're allowed to do it. If you're doing it for Parnassus, that's your your for your hunting in a place where it's dangerous. Yeah. So because I had hunting this question, where it's safe, it's not prohibitive. Right, according to what he's saying, um, yes, true. I had this question. A guy told me a nice Jewish fellow who's a CFO, an energy company. And he had, he said they, they, you know, the corporate wants to take him every day. They, they go duck hunting. He hates it. But the guy, you know, the Jewish guy, can't shoot to save his life. And uh, he said, but they slap him along. It's like this really you know, expensive trip. And well, can, can he go? So I told him this thing. Listen, that's if you need that. If you feel like for your job to be, 
you know, good with all the corporate bodies you have to do that, so then you know how to do it. Now that's part of making a living. Um, but if you're just doing it, you know, for the fun, that would be a problem. Doing it for the sport, if you enjoy it, that's a problem. But doing it because you want to impress your corporate body. Using this passage, how is doing it for fun? Going <coughs> duck hunting with, uh, you know, corporate buddies is not exactly a high-risk... Uh, you're right. Uh, okay, ducks so don't depends. shoot back. <laughs> I'm right. saying it's the guy behind you. So you're right. Yeah, 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 right. But I told him the fact that he's, that he's doing it because of his job, that makes yeah. it better. But I mean, you're right. This, yeah, this you're right. This... this um, Language doesn't prohibit hunting. Yes. It prohibits putting yourself in danger, right. which is a different. Right. He's assuming hunting concept. is dangerous. Yes, he's assuming hunting. You're right. If right, you're doing it in again, a, so if hunting setting, is yes. not dangerous, yes. this doesn't prevent uh, yes. prevent hunting. Yes, I'm not a hunter. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. You're correct. It's also intriguing that it's okay to kill animals as long as you don't torture them. I mean, it's according to this opinion, according yeah, to yeah. yes. Um, but we shed animals. That's again. Because you're going to eat them. Here you're right. shooting them, you're killing them for right. sport. Right, so he says here... I assume animals you hunt in this way you can't eat because right. they haven't been properly yeah, checked. Give them to the, the guy. Yes. Right. You, can feed oh, you make your corporate bodies even happier. Give them the ducks. Okay, so now, so that's, so that's exception number one. It's obviously a very important exception that for professional purposes you can risk, you can endanger your life. So when it comes, let's say, to football, well, I don't know the numbers. I didn't have time to look up the concussion numbers. I just someone just told me at breakfast that in New York now they want to ban uh, tackle football for under 13 years of age. They're trying, they're gonna, they're trying to ban. Um, okay. So and they, as you know, they, New York City banned more than 16 ounce drinks for the same reason. It's part of this same concept, but just so like so. Um, so over there, so the so bottom line is, it could be they're right, meaning, and I don't want to say the, the liberals in New York are right, but sometimes you got to admit um, that, that meaning halakhically, what we're saying is, let's say, tackle football, if, again, I don't know the numbers, if the numbers are legitimate, and there's a, you know, people really are being harmed from this, so the question becomes, so for professional, if you're a professional player, so then you're allowed to do it, because you're, you're making money, this is your livelihood. Okay, and most of these players, I can tell you, cannot make a living doing anything else. Right, so this is their parnasa. Okay, but if you're doing it just for your high school football team and you're just doing it because you want to get the nice cheerleaders, that so then they wouldn't be permitted. Okay. Most kids are doing high school football are doing it as job training. Yeah, it depends which schools. I mean, uh, not the white scholarship kids. to college. Yeah, I'm saying, but not. Uh, I'm saying the kids in every wiener are not going on a. Football scholarship to college, I can promise you. <laughs> um, Don't tell him. What would Donald do? I mean, basketball, maybe. Uh, <laughs> mostly, not even. But there are actually these two kids from U.S. who got, went on, uh, two Baron kids who got into one's at Harvard, uh, Shiryosha's. Yeah, not on scholarship. Daughter, not on scholarship. <laughs> they made it to the college team. The Ivies don't give athletic scholarships. Oh, yeah. And it was basketball. Basketball, as I said, right. Less dangerous. Uh, Okay, so um, so so that's so so I, I would venture to say so again, professional football wouldn't be an issue. High school football, um, if, again, if there's truly a danger, I don't know the, the facts about it, then it could be problematic. Um, could be problematic based on what we're saying. Well, does the uh, does the danger have to be? Is there a threat? Uh, a threshold? 
Because yeah, there's so a, it has there's to a, there's be a danger. Not real numbers. It has to be. It can't be negligible numbers. Obviously, you know, exact threshold. Yes, I can't. Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, there's exactly. a negligible. You know, there's a negligible, negligible chance of certain medical interventions working, but there's an insistence that they be done anyway. So we we use uh, we right, ignore it comes negligibility risk, on one end. Right. Uh, right. So it's true when when it comes to risk. There is no, I mean, it's not defined. Bleich will tell you what, you know, there, there, there are people who, who, one limit test that actually Bleich proposed, I know you're not a big fan of this, but um, he he says that, you know, it's, would you, it's really based on a Gemara, but how much would you pay, not, meaning would you pay, or how much would you get paid, I think he says, to, to accept this risk of danger, let's say. Because that would depend on something like that. Words, for would you do it for money? you do it for money, then you can, then it's not considered enough of a risk. Okay, something uh, like that. At that point, that anything you do for free uh, <laughs> isn't a risk either. Because if you're, if you're willing to do it for free, then you're sure as heck willing to do it for money. Seriously, if I'm going to do point, something yeah, for free, yeah, of course. I'm more likely to do it if Shelly's going to pay me to do something stupid. Um, I mean, people play baseball. Anyway. People yeah. like playing baseball, football for free. Right, so that's right. They certainly do. We got paid for it. Exactly. Uh, of course. So I have to look back at that. But again, it's, it's not a defined. It's really not. It's not defined at it's least just, in halacha. It sounds like a retroactive excuse why Jews didn't play football. Because they didn't get paid. No, because they weren't good enough to make the team. But now they said, "Oh, we don't have to make the team anyway." <laughs> okay, so so what Plus we're saying is, so according to the no debut, what we're saying is, earning a livelihood is is something worthwhile to risk one's life for, to a certain extent. That's really in essence what we're saying. So again, the same would apply, I guess, to infectious disease physician, some uh, any um, physician. Yeah, not endangering your life. I mean, what do you mean? When you're in surgery, you stick yourself with yeah. whatever yeah, you draw okay, blood from people. They cough right. on you. you know, right. No, I mean, yeah. the number of people that get stuck, in, that's a big number. It's probably a bigger risk of being a rabbi, of danger to you. With, with um, needle sticks? No. Probably more doctors get people sick from their patients right. than patients get sick from their doctors. Well, teachers certainly get sick from their yeah, students. Yeah, of course. Listen, that's I've, a uh, I mean, unfortunately, I, I do divorces, and I've gotten a swing taken on me more than... More than really? once. Missed, thank God. Short guy. Wow. More than once. That's crazy. That's sad. It is sad. It's um, really sad. It's human nature. I agree, but some things you just don't do. So so under rabbi, I'm not sure you're proving you your point about the, the rabbi, threshold about football. So like, this is no, not the rabbi's punch rabbi. I'm saying is, I don't know. The th I agree with. I mean, I don't. I don't know if there is a defined threshold. For risk, but <laughs> what I'm saying is, what the notary is saying very clearly: for livelihood, you can risk your life. So if this is their livelihood, so there is risk involved. Even yes. if it's not for their livelihood, they haven't proven their point. Who hasn't? I mean, the notary hasn't proven. His point? All the rabbis, yeah. The I'm collective saying, rabbis. No, I'm saying that yeah. he, he's just—he's not trying to prove his point. He's, he's only meaning really. It's a, it should be prohibited. Any danger to life, cross the board. What he's saying is, yeah. we see the Talmud gives an exception for making a living. To that, to that yeah, general there are many rule. Exceptions. Why but this the exception number one. Together and find another imagine. job for the guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I said most of today's professional <laughs> players probably can't do other jobs. That's not, not true. And also, there may be jobs that somebody has to do. I mean, you don't. If somebody cli nobody climbs up, you're not going to get whatever they're climbing I mean, up to get. So I mean, the truth is, I venture to say, most a lot of these players, there's probably more percentage of players, especially football, who die. 
other, you know, from drug overdose or car accidents. Things, steroids. I don't know that that's true. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I'm not I mean, quoting real numbers. I, I have a very limited exper exposure, but I've only met a couple of professional NFL players, and they're like super sharp and like. Some became doctors, some became drug reps, some became, you know, insurance salesmen. I mean, they, they become human beings, like regular like part OJ. of society. Like because OJ. they were human beings. Right, and they remain. Yeah. Right, they have broken bodies often. Yeah, they got, That's oh. a separate issue. But you know, working backwards, if you're allowed to engage in a profession that has risk because you need to make a livelihood, in a certain sense, high school football is training for that profession. Of course, right? Right. So that it should be Yeah, but again, but, but depends who you are. If we're going to go for the negligible argument, the percentage of high school players in any sport, that, we're not even going to talk about professions, but who get college scholarships, it's small. a very tiny yeah. percentage. But that's and those who then go play college, it gets smaller. smaller. But that's yeah. not and the those point. those who play professional, it's around the table. I mean, the number of professionals yeah. that That's the point. If, well, you know, if you're one of the guys... The high school kids playing football that get concussions is much higher than the number that right. get college well, that's, that's not the point. We'll get a concussion. If, he's saying, in here, if he's yeah. saying here, you can, people climb up there and put their life at risk, you don't... You don't go from being a little kid to the guy who climbed. You have to train, and some people can go up and try to do that and going to get killed in the process of trying to learn yeah, how to do what he does. Yeah, but that's a good point. The, the, let's be honest. The, how many kids in Emory are really aiming to, to even, even try? Yeah, that's not why they're Can you tell, can you tell no, not, no say, this that, kid, you will never be a pro crazy, football but. player, therefore your rationale is irrelevant. You cannot do this. Yeah. You can't do that. You, can't. you don't know yeah, that. That's the difference. You know, I'm saying that how to implement it, that's always a Jose Altuve, <laughs> rest my case. So, you can rest it. Like this tall. So again, the bleeding, so you want to say, you can make the argument, meaning what we're saying is amateurs shouldn't be playing sports that are dangerous. Maybe you can make the argument in high school football well, and amateurs. I don't, know. I don't understand that a lot. It's Alabama football. It's not amateurs. It's high school football still is. Mm. Not in Texas. They're not amateurs. I don't understand the logic. They're red-shirted and everything. Again, the logic is there's a source in the Torah that yeah, seems to imply you may risk your life for pranas. They think they not all kinds of kids back. I mean, everything's risking your life. There's no It's only permitted for pranas. That's what we're saying. Same concept. So, you know, the old, the old, and and injure your ankle. I mean, men's club uh, softball games. Mm -hmm. Old <laughs> people, you know, you're playing with, with Jews. And yes, that's dangerous. And break <laughs> ankles. And yes, but that's not in danger your life. Let me tell you, they're they're more in danger of getting hurt because they never work out compared to these. So that's a different question. Meaning that's going to get to in a second. Meaning till now we're talking about in danger your life. Playing softball, cut your shirt Sunday morning. You know, most you'll. It's you know is what I'm saying, you know, but that's not endangering your life. That's know, a difference. I mean, Until now, we're talking about literally endangering your life. Now, there's a different question. No one's endangering their life. No, football, you could be. Boxing, you could be. People Boxing, you could be, How many people have died in high school from boxing? I don't know. I'm sure there have been. I'm not sure there's high school boxing anymore because of that reason. They are there many that die on the football? I mean, there are people that died playing basketball because they had sudden heart attacks. It's shortening life. The CTE is shortening life, not a dying on the field. Okay. The I mean, orthopedic surgeons tell me that they love machines and clubs because the machines are designed to isolate one muscle to really build it up. He said, why it's so good for orthopedists is because, unlike, say, free weights, 
you know, if it's not working, just put it down. But here, if you're in the middle of doing some machine, and it, it's, that muscle is isolated, there's no other muscle you can call on, that's when all the injuries occur. He said, the orthopedist tell me these machines are so good for business. <laughs> they're, yeah. always, they're creating so many injuries. It's great. They love them. Well, now in the orthopedist, the books all say exercise books. Uh, all of them, they say, don't, don't use those machines. Okay, I just want to get, I got to leave soon. So let me get to the second part here. So the, the second part is, is rumber up, meaning so even if they're not life-saving, life-danger, life-threatening injuries, but there's another concept, as we know, we discussed in the past, which is it's prohibited, uh, the act of kavala, of wounding another human being, is also prohibited. So even if it's not life-danger, for me to come and punch you in the face, um, where it creates a, where either it causes you to bleed or a black and blue mark is prohibited halakhically in itself. Okay, even if there's no danger per se involved. Mm-hmm. As the prohibitorist says, you can hit a fellow human being. And we also imply that the self-inflicted chavala, self-inflicted injury, and that's the Rambam number seven, quote number seven, in the back, he says, um, it's prohibited for a person to wound himself or others. This is the Rambam in the laws of injury, in, in of tort law. Not only is wounding prohibited, even one who hits another upstanding Jewish citizen, whether an adult or a minor, whether a man or a woman, in a contentious or mean-spirited manner, violates a negative commandment. Okay, so he, the Rambam literally th- says there's a negative commandment. It's one of the 613 prohibitions is to smite another person, um, is to, to hit another person where you're wounding him. Okay, so the question becomes, and that's in sl- salt, the assumption is self-inflicted injury is the same prohibition. You can't do it to yourself either, because uh, as we as we stated many times, Jewish medical ethics says, um, contrary to uh, Rosh Limbaugh, is we do, and contrary to women's uh, the women's uh, feminist movement, is we don't own our own bodies. We ha- we don't have a right to do whatever we want with our bodies. It doesn't belong to us. Our bodies are loaned to us from God um, for however long we're alive. So we don't we ha- we have to we have to safeguard. We have to take care of them. We have to safeguard them, which is really based on again this flimsy verse. That's what it's based on. So that concept. So therefore, even self-afflicting yourself, self-wounding yourself, would be prohibited also. It's not only about hitting the other guy. It's about injuring yourself. So the question then becomes, like you're saying, there are other, meaning even if, it's not, even if the numbers don't show people are dying from professional sports, but they're surely getting injured. So I'm, I'm causing injury to myself. Is that a problem? Okay, that's the you're question. You're not causing injury to yourself. You're playing a sport. You get injured. It's called normal. <laughs> I mean, everything is normal. That's why I don't play sports. Oh, oh, that's a, uh, so it could be rationalization why Jews in the history should not play sports. Also, that you're not playing true, it to wound yourself. The intention right, right. I'm not going to... Right. Right. I think I'll go beat my head against the wall. Huh? Not necessarily. That's, a, that's the question. Absolutely. Oh, that's exactly the point. Not so even, I, so even if your point win. is well taken, but yeah. the question is if my goal is to... Especially in boxing, for sure, when my goal is to... No, I mean, you do a slide for first to second base. You happen to take out the second baseman when you're sliding in. Well, I'm sorry, but, like, I'm safe. Baseball rules have been changed that you can't do a takeout slide. If the intention is to take out, you're out. No, but let's say you don't take them out. No, 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 but the end result is the same. Yeah. I mean, you're wearing spikes after all. Even without intent, you can spike the guy. Well, you no, know, people can get hurt. But I mean, yeah. it's interesting that even baseball has taken mm-hmm. out the intentionality. You're, you're penalized for intentionally trying to hurt someone. And also, there's collisions at home. But not in boxing or. Uh, boxing, the intent is to, to cause a concussion. <laughs> right. That's how you win. 
Yes. Correct. So, I mean, so you don't win if you don't yes. cause a concussion. No, you can just be into a pot and go that this, way. How do you yeah, get from here to the point where it's okay to stick a needle in somebody's arm to get no, blood? So, that's, so it's a similar concept. So you're right. So you know, how do you go to see, how do you do any surgery? Or surgery, of course. Right. So that we discussed. So Moshe Feinstein actually has an interesting chuva about cosmetic surgery. We discussed this. And he actually says, so anything you're doing for the betterment, that's, we don't view that as an act of wounding. It's an act of healing. I mean, if I'm going to the doctor, I'm getting a shot or surgery, so of course I'm drawing blood, I'm cutting the guy open. But that's not an act of chavalah, that's an act of refuah. We, we interpret that act differently. Okay, it's, it's viewed as healing. So similarly, which is really what you're saying, and, and with the sort of therefore permits, um, that's actually as a true on dieting. Yourself, like dieting is a self-affliction. It's how you let a self-afflict yourself. It's because the point is to better yourself, so... That's the intention is not to afflict yourself, to cause self-pain. The intention is to lose weight, to be healthier, or to look prettier, or whatever it is. So that's permitted. Um, so, and he talks about cosmetic surgery in the same context, um, well, e even though that could be more problematic if there's a danger there. But the point is, so, so this is, I'll just end with this because i got to leave, but this last quote here in the last page is from uh, one of the, I think it was Chief Rabbi Israel, I don't know when, or, or, or Jerusalem, his name was, of Issa Yehuda Unterman. He lived from 1886 to 1976. Um, and he, he, this is actually, he was asked about boxing. Um, can, can a nice Jewish boy become a boxer? And he writes like this, he says, um, regarding the prohibition against wounding oneself, it seems that it only applies when one intends on causing oneself suffering. However, if one wants to perform an act that causes a wound, there is no prohibition when the wound comes about as a result of a competition, whether it's self-inflicted or caused by someone else. So sim this is really what Ron was saying. The intention, it's all about the intention. <coughs> um, meaning, actually, it's the w if you look back at the words of the Rambam, we quote it, uh, the last Rambam, the Rambam's language, and this is, they deduce this from the Rambam, Moshe brings, uh, Moshe Feinstein says this, in the words of the Rambam, the Rambam says, he says, um, if one hits another, in a contentious or mean-spirited yeah, manner. Okay? So meaning that's the only time it's prohibited, based even on the Rambam, he says, is when it's being done to get the guy. Your goal is to, to, to wound the person. Or to, but if it's part of a competition, your goal is to win. Or my goal is to get to second base, like you're saying. And it happens to be, a, you know, the guy gets knocked down, I'm wounding someone else. That's not prohibited. Because what the Torah prohibits is hitting someone with the intent for hitting them. That really is exactly what boxing is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, no, that, no, but, no, but your goal of boxing is to win. <laughs> and the way you win is <laughs> to wound the other let's guy. See, let's see, let's see. Let's see what he says. says. One second, I got it. I'm late for my boy. That was contentious. He says, he says, for example, shooting a guy in a robbery, my goal is not to shoot the guy, it's to steal his wallet. Good point. He says it seems, so that's okay. <laughs> Listen, let's finish his words. He says, regarding boxing, regarding boxing, it is very possible to say that boxing is not categorized as a psik ratio. He says, meaning psik ratio means it's a halachic concept, that even if I do something without the kavanah, that wasn't my intent, let's say Shabbat, I didn't intend to light the fire, I was just holding my magnifying glass to look at an ant and it caught on fire, right? Okay, so, uh, oh. so, so, usually we say, so, what's called a dava shenem with chaven, it means if you didn't have kavanah to do that, it's not considered that you did that act, because that wasn't your intention. Your intent was to do something else. You need intent, most uh, sins and mitzvah to the Torah. So, but there's something called a psik ration. That means, let's say my intent is to, to uh, I need a, a doorstop, so I'm cutting the chicken's head off for the doorstop. 
I don't want to kill the chicken. It sounds very cruel. I'm just giving. <laughs> that was the first thing that came to my head because that's the word psikresha means cutting off the head. Meaning, so if something is 100% going to happen, okay, let's like this is actually for Orthodox people. We're very anal about this. When you open the refrigerator light on Shabbat, it's a big thing. You got to turn out your bulb. Now they have Shabbat, by the way, Westinghouse. All the companies make Shabbat refrigerators. <laughs> Shabbat mode, you can change the, the right. settings. But in the old days, and I still have an old refrigerator. They last you put tape there. So yeah, it's the whole thing. So now yeah. when I open, really, when I open the refrigerator, the light goes on Shabbat, it's not a problem. Because my kavana is not for the light. My kavana is because I want my midnight snack. Right. So there's really no issue, biblically speaking. Okay, we're, we're anal and we try to turn out the bulb before <laughs> Shabbat anyway. But the point is, so so it's what's called, so it's called a davr shenim tchaven. But if it's a psik ratio, that means if it's surely going to happen, it means 100% going to happen, then it's like you intended to do it. We don't care that what your intent was because if it's surely going to happen, it's as if you had in mind. You knew that was going to happen, so you can't claim. But if there's, a, there's only 99% chance it's going to happen, it's no longer a psychration. <laughs> then your intent, we don't assume that. You so say, don't I, I, I didn't I shoot the robbery victim in the chest because there's still a very good chance he'll survive, even if it's a small chance rather than one to the head. Especially since that's well, how you make the word. language. Is it possible to cut off the head of a chicken and shouldn't die? No. So that was your kavana. Whether your intent was for a different reason, it's irrelevant. So he's saying in boxing, regarding boxing, he says it's very possible to say that boxing is not categorized as a psik ratio, an unintended result that is inextricably linked to one's actions, because there is a possibility that sometimes the individual will not get wounded. This is a therefore, fan. it could be a draw. Therefore, this is a boxing fan. This is not uh, yeah, somebody therefore, since one does not intend never seen a to wound <laughs> or smite, only to defeat one's <laughs> opponent by it. pushing him or forcing him to the ground, wounding is considered an unintended result. I think so this is this is good. Wrestling with boxing. I was going to say professional wrestling is exactly real wrestling, not professional. Wrestling. No, no, I Thank you.